You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we have sung your praise, and it's right for us to do that, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. Lord, you have been very uh, good to us, sometimes in more ways, Lord, than we know. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would leave here today, Lord, after we have heard from your word. We have sung to you. We have sung powerful songs back to you. And God, we are grateful for the breath that you have given us, Lord, to sing those songs. But I pray, Lord, from hearing your word open now that we would leave with hearts full of praise as we recognize again your goodness, your faithfulness, your commitment to yourself and your commitment to us. Father, thank you for the love that we know in the gospel, that that we have a relationship with you because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave all for us. And Lord, thank you that you've given us your word to encourage us, Lord, in the faith. And you've given us the spirit who lives in us and gives us the power to do the things that are said here. So God, I pray that you would help us now, help me as I speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage them. And I pray your spirit would be working in all of this, continuing to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my name is Marvin McCoody. I'm happy to be here uh, with you, uh, you guys. Uh, some of you know me a little bit. Some of you don't know me at all. Uh, I am currently in the process of planting a new church in, uh, in the Yorkdale, or North York area, and that is going uh, really well. And uh, we're grateful because your church is one of the churches that are partnering with us to uh, make that happen. And so it's just a huge blessing to get to be here today and to open the Bible and to serve uh, your, uh, your church in this way. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark 4. And our sermon today is called, uh, the, the title is called Trusting God for More Growth. Trusting God for More Growth. Now, there are things growing around us all the time, even though we can't see it. All around us, things are growing, are becoming more and more mature, even though we can't always see it. On the screen for you is a picture of my son, Eiffel. And uh, this is him a few years ago. You can see there, a very young guy. He's our third, he's uh, our third boy. And he's sitting in his car seat. He can't walk. We have to, we have to carry him everywhere. And he's just, he's young, he's small. But here's a picture now of Eiffel. He's a bit of a comedian, that guy, right? You can see him there. He's got his funky Dr. Kabuki glasses on. That's what he calls those, those blue ones. But you can see now that Eiffel doesn't need help walking around. You can see that he's able to sort of get around. He's grown. Now, the thing is, we didn't see all of that happening while it was happening, right? We weren't sort of sitting by his bed and watching his, like, legs kind of extend and get longer. He just kind of went into his room, and he just kind of came out a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger, a little wilder, a little wilder. But he's grown, right? This is what what it's like with kids, right? That's why we say things like, it feels like you've grown overnight. The growth was happening in Ife, but we didn't always see it. 
Now, the same way Eiffel has grown and is growing, the kingdom of God is growing, even though we can't always see it. God's kingdom is at work in the world and growing. And the main thing, the main point of our sermon today, the main idea that I want you to take away today is this. You can't stop kingdom growth because you can't stop the king. You can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the king. God is at work and no one can stop him from doing what he has promised to do. Now it's so important for us right now to remember this, that the church is not the kingdom. The church is not the kingdom. The church is a part of the kingdom of God. It's here and is growing. And our text, our text is going to show us very clearly who is responsible for that growth. Look with me at verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seeds sprout and grows and he knows not how. Here's our first point. Kingdom growth comes when we do our work knowing it's God's work. When I do my work knowing that it's God's work. See, in the growth, the farmer does his part. He does his part by scattering the seed in faith. And you know it's an act of faith because after he does his work, after he scatters the seed, he goes on to the regular routines of life. He scatters, and then the text says that he goes to sleep. It says that he rises night and day. He does it in an act of faith. Now, the same way the farmer scatters the seed and does his part, we can do our part in our own growth. The same way the farmer is faithful in doing his part, we are to be faithful in doing our part in our own growth. See, we scatter the seed of the gospel over every area of our lives through things like spiritual disciplines, engaging in those things, reading the word, fasting, prayer, those disciplines, solitude. We, we, we grow by gathering with the church. The, the Bible commands that, that we are to come together to encourage one another as we see the day drawing near by serving the church. All of us, if we are in Christ, have a spiritual gift. And your spiritual gift is unique. You, you have it in a unique way that no one else has. And you are to use that gift to serve and build up the church. We do things like evangelism. We scatter the seed when we do that. Acts of mercy and compassion by interacting with different cultures and people groups. All of these things are the way we scatter the seed of the gospel over our lives. Those are the ways that we do our part. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're obeying Philippians 2, verse 12. We're walking in obedience, and here's what it says. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are to put effort into our own growth. We are to work at it. The Bible calls for that. And it's so important for us to remember that in all of this effort, in working there's also resting. We are to work, but we are also to rest. Notice the text says that the farmer sleeps. 
You see it there? Verse 27. He sleeps and rises night and day. See, God worked. When he created everything out of nothing, he was laboring, but then he rested. And so God models for us what we are to do. We are to work, yes, but we are also to rest. We're to take a break from putting effort in. He models that. D.A. Carson said this on the issue of rest. He says, if you are among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you're missing your sleep, you are morally obligated to try to get the sleep you need. Here's something you need to know about me. If I'm not if I haven't slept, it's not good. Right? It's like I'm like a bear lost at Dundas Square. It's just going bad for everybody. <laughs> we are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied to our spiritual well-being, to our mental outlook, to our relationships with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. Think about that. Sometimes the best thing you can do for the people in your life is go to bed. <laughs> That's one of the, the godliest thing you can do is just to lay down and stop talking. That would, that would just bless people in your life. <laughs> Not pray all night. There's sometimes where we do need to pray all night, right? Difficult seasons, things are going on. We need to call on God and ask him for help. There's times for that. But, not pray all night, but sleep. Spiritual disciplines obligates you to get the sleep your body needs. We are to rest. Our sleep is extremely important. It's part of giving our life a healthy rhythm. Do you know sleep is an act of faith? It's an act of faith. Because when we sleep, what we are, we're saying is we lay down and we say, God, you're in control. And so I'm going to put my head on this pillow, and I believe you are going to sustain me through the night. And so when we sleep, it's an act of faith because we're acknowledging the sovereignty of God. We are acknowledging that we are the ones who need rest, and we lay down and we entrust ourselves to God. It's an act of faith. It's saying, you, God, are in control. I am not. Now maybe you're thinking, what if I can't sleep? You're encouraging sleep, and I'm, all, I, I'm in there. I'm there with you, Marv. I want to do that. But what if I'm struggling to sleep? Well, there's wisdom in seeing a doctor and asking for advice. Doctors are gifts to us from God. And so there's wisdom there in consulting a doctor, but we can also pray. We pray and we ask God, I, I'm struggling to sleep. Talk to him. He's our father. Go to him and say, Show me what you're trying to teach me. How are you using this struggle to make me more like Jesus? We talk to God, and we also ask God, give me endurance in the midst of this struggle. Help me as I wait on you to fulfill your promise. And we ask God to fulfill that promise. Psalm 127, verse 2 says, he gives to his beloved sleep. Ask God to knock you out. Ask him to fulfill his promise. And then you can call on the church to pray with you as you wait on his answer. We rest from our part in our own growth 
And the main reason why is because it's really God's work. We rest from it because ultimately it's his work. See, earlier I shared with you Philippians 2, verse 12, but verse 13 is also very important. Look what it says. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's ultimately up to him. We put the effort in, yes, but it's ultimately God working in us to make the growth come. It's not up to me. And that should be encouraging to you and to me. It should be deeply encouraging when we think about those moments where that old sin shows up again. Or there's that personality, that the thing about your personality that you're thinking, I'm hoping that would be gone by now, see, in those moments, when those things happen again, what is really tempting for us is to give in to discouragement. But we see here that we are not to give in to that temptation. We don't have to give in to it. See, the Bible always says that when we sin, we are to confess our sins and repent of our sins. But you know what the Bible never says? We should never despair in our sin. We're never called to that spot. We're always called to confess and repent, but we're never to despair. Why? Because even though that is there, God is working on you. And because he is working, there is a day coming where he is going to grow you to full maturity. And so that thing that is nagging you right now, that thing that is discouraging you is going to be gone because he is working. The spirit is alive in your heart. And so we are never to despair. We are to be patient with ourselves. And not only are we to be patient with ourselves, we're supposed to be patient with other people too. That's the other side of it. Not only should I be patient with myself in my own growth, I should be patient with other people in their growth. This is where I struggle so much as a dad. I've got four fellas at home. It's, it's really kind of chaos all the time. There's just body slams everywhere. But one of the things that I fail at as a father is I'm constantly putting expectations on my kids that aren't realistic for where they are. And I think they should be like over here and they're here and it's not fair to them. It's not loving to them. And maybe when you think about your life, maybe there's people in your life, when you look, you're like, why are they still like that? Why are they still doing that? Why aren't they doing this? And rather than doing that, we should be praying for them. We should call on God, if they're not in Christ, to to rescue them, to cause them to believe the gospel. That's how we should be praying. And if they're in Christ, we should be praying for God to do his sanctifying work in them. We are not the Holy Spirit. And so we look to God. So rather than going to fear, uh, sorry, not to anger and frustration, we are to go to prayer and love and gentleness with the people in our lives. It's God's work to grow us. It's also God's work to grow his kingdom. Look at verse 27. It says he sleeps and he rises night and day. The seed sprout and grows and he knows not how. See, growth happens, but it's a mystery. The text says that the farmer knows not how. Something is going on beneath the surface, but he cannot explain it. This highlights for us that the farmer is actually not the cause of the growth. Take in verse 28. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full 
grain in the ear. That phrase by itself is important. The Greek word there is, is automate. It's where we get our word automatic. And so what is being said here is that when the, when the seed of the kingdom, which is the gospel, when that is spread, that it's automatically growing, that it has power within itself, that there's a sponta- it's spontaneous, it's growing and growing by itself. Another way you could translate this is that the earth produces without visible cause. I like, there's another translation that I like. It says the earth produces because it's affected by God. And that gets to the point that Jesus is making. Kingdom growth is God's work. He does it by his wise providence. And that's why it's right where Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. There's an important lesson in that for us. See, we are tempted so often to worship the planters and the people doing the watering. But notice it says that so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God. See, we are not to worship the people working and serving. Our worship is to go to God. And so often what we do is we drift into worshiping the people that we see up here and the people that we see at conferences, and we, our worship goes there, and that's wrong. We are not to worship those people. We are to worship the one who made those people, the one who sustains those people. I am standing here right now when I'm speaking to you, and it's God giving me the breath to do that. I am standing here right now using my spiritual gift, but if God gave it to me, and if God doesn't show up to like, help me, it's not going to go good up here. It's all him. And so our worship should never go to the, the planters and the waterers. Our worship could go to, should go to God alone. He is everything. He sustains everything. He makes everything grow and go. It's all about him. We exalt God. We don't exalt people. And that is what we are to do in honor of God. Notice also that the seed grows from a blade then to a full grain. Verse 28 again, earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. There's order to kingdom growth. Kingdom growth takes time. Kingdom growth is not hurried. There's nothing skipped over in kingdom growth. There's no delaying kingdom growth, and there's no stopping kingdom growth. See that? Blade, full grain. You cannot stop it. It's going to happen, and that's because God is always faithful to do his work. And he calls us. He calls us and gives us the privilege of partnering with him in the work. God is faithful, and he calls us to be faithful, doing our part, scattering the seed of the gospel everywhere that he has us. And as we do that, we wait in humble faith for the results of his great work. Kingdom growth has a progressive nature to it. And we have to wait 
to see it. See, in one sense, the kingdom is here. In one sense, it's here and working. Jesus tells us that. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. He says it's here. Repent and believe in the gospel. In one, in one sense, the kingdom is here. And Jesus, who says this, is the one who made it all possible. See, people are repenting and believing in the gospel and going into the kingdom. But Jesus is the one who made it possible. Because after saying this, Jesus would then take his cross, carry it all the way to Calvary, where he, where he died for our sins, making it possible for you and I to enter into the kingdom, as when we believe the gospel, when we believe that we sinned against God, and that he sent his son to live a perfect life for us, and then his son died on the cross for us. When we believe that, we enter into the kingdom. Jesus makes that possible. So in a way, the kingdom is here. And, but in another real sense, the kingdom is coming. When you read the Bible, what you, what, you, what you see is that it says that there's an already aspect to the kingdom and a not yet aspect. It's here and it's coming. God is changing lives. And the kingdom is growing and it's coming also. And we have to wait patiently for that. Here's our final point today. Kingdom growth comes when we are patient, waiting for God's fulfillment. Verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. As soon as the grain is ripe, the farmer puts the sickle to it. And it says, because the harvest has come. And notice that he does it at once. There is no hesitation. It's time to reap a harvest. See, the harvest coming is actually a picture of the coming kingdom of God. The growth that is going on beneath the surface one day would be, will be made visible to all people. You won't be able to miss it. David Garland said, we can be certain that the kingdom of God is at work in the world in ways we do not know and in a manner that is not subject to empirical verification or mathematical formulation. The process that is taking place will reach its final goal. But the harvest cannot come until the grain is ripe. The farmer does not put the sickle in before its time. See, in the same way, it's the same way with the kingdom. It will not come in all of its fullness until the time is right. This is what the disciples had to wait for. And this is what we have to wait for. But waiting is hard, isn't it? It's not easy to wait. We are not naturally patient people. Like every now and then in uh, my house, I kind of get a little confident. And I think, you know what? I'm, I'm starting to get this patience thing. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm growing in patience. Then I go to my doctor's office. You know, you kind of, you get there and you, you're sort of sitting, you know, sort of think about this with me. You sit down on the chair and you're thinking, hope they call me soon. Looking around at other people and 
I want to get in before you. I'm not saying that out loud. You know, and then a person sort of comes in, and you do the polite thing. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I've taken up two chairs. You go ahead and sit there. But what are you thinking inside? They better not call you before me. <laughs> you sit there, and then you see the, the nurse comes out, and you're like, say Marvin, say Marvin, say Marvin. Mike, and you're like, no! And you're thinking, I've been here like for way longer than you and everything like that, right? You know, I wouldn't say that out loud, right? Because they might come to church. (laughs) Welcome to Harvest. Hey, you're that guy. (laughs) But we're not naturally patient. Our culture is even caught on to this. That's why we have things like drive-through banking. Right? Netflix. New show comes out, all of the episodes. Not just like one a week like it used to be, right? And you're like, next episode, next episode, next episode. Oh, it's 6.30. I got to go to work at 8.30. It's just, we're not naturally patient. Amazon Prime, thriving. Why? We don't like to wait. I want it now, 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 now. We are, can I have it yesterday, people? But when it comes to the kingdom... We have to be patient. We have to wait to see it in all its fullness. James 5 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives its early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming, and we have to wait on that. The Bible says it is at hand. We also have to be patient. And when the Lord comes, we will see the kingdom in full. See, Jesus tells his disciples this parable to encourage patience in them and patience in us. He also tells it to them because he wants to comfort them and give them confidence He wants them to know that in the times when you are being faithful, trying to do the work of advancing and sharing the gospel and building the kingdom of God, in those moments where you feel like nothing is happening, where you feel like it's not, my effort is making no difference, he wants them to know in those moments to not trust your feelings. Because even though you may feel that way, God is working in powerful ways. You can be confident that one day you will see it, even if you can't see it now. So they need to be faithful in the middle of the rejection, faithful in the middle of the persecution and the suffering, scattering the seed of the gospel, because kingdom growth belongs to God who is king, and you can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the You can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the? A little louder. You can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the? That's right. God is working. And you cannot stop what he is doing. And the same way they had to be faithful, we can be faithful. Scattering the seed and watering and weeding it, doing our part. And yes, we will face rejection. Yes, there'll be a level of persecution. Yes, there is some suffering that comes with that. But even though that is happening, we cannot forget 
to not trust our feelings in those moments. When we feel like this is making no difference. When you, it feels like the church is losing. Don't you feel like that sometimes? I feel that way more than I want to admit. When I look at the culture, I'm like, is this making a difference? I feel like that a lot. But Jesus says, don't trust your feeling. Yes, it looks like we're losing. Yes, it looks like the difference is not being made. But trust me, my father is at work in amazing ways that you can't see it now, but you will see it. And so we can go with confidence, comfort, and courage in our efforts. Warren Wearsby said, the harvest is not at the end of the meeting. It's at the end of the age. The harvest is not at the end of the meeting. It's at the end of the age. The harvest doesn't come after another faithful night at small group. The harvest doesn't come after some hard work in harvest kids. The harvest doesn't come after working with the youth and trying to scatter the seed of the gospel into their life. The harvest doesn't come after some faithful evangelism and community sort of engagement in your city. It's at the end of the age. But here's the thing. It's coming. We will see it. God is working. The grain is going to get ripe. And in the perfect time, God will put the sickle to it. And so we should have confidence. The kingdom is here and growing, and it will be made visible. There's a day coming where we will see the Lord ruling and reigning over it all. And we, if we are trusting in Jesus Christ, if we have believed the gospel, will be in the middle of it worshiping God, singing worthy, because he is worthy of all our praise. We will be right where we are meant to be. I like what Mark Strauss said on this. He said, God is in charge of human history. Just let that sink in. Sometimes you watch the TV and you think somebody else is in charge. But God is in charge of human history, and he will bring the kingdom of God to its destined goal. I love this. No human action or opposition can change that. God is in charge, and no one can stop God in what he is doing. The kingdom will reach its destined goal because our God is on his throne, ruling and reigning and providentially guiding everything to its destined goal. And so we should be full of confidence, not fear. Full of confidence, trusting in him as he is faithful in his work and doing our part. And this is why we serve our community. That's we gather in church. We pray and we read our Bible because those are the ways we grow. And when we grow, the kingdom of God grows. That's why your church is doing ministry in York region. Because when your church grows, the kingdom grows. That's why we're planting a church in a very dark part of the city. Because when the church I go to, Harvest Mississauga, multiplies, the kingdom of God grows. He works. When we take steps of faith, 
When we step into things that aren't convenient, that not, aren't as comfortable for us, when we do that, God works through those acts of faith in amazing ways to grow us and grow his kingdom. That's what you got to see in this. So often we don't want to do something because we're like, it's just not as comfortable for me. But we, we miss in that, that if I take this step, God is going to grow me in ways I, I could not imagine. And he's going to grow his kingdom in ways I could not imagine. And I will see all of it. We've got to start getting used to being a little bit uncomfortable. We like our comfort. And God is saying, your life is more than just being comfortable. Your life is about me. Your life is about glorifying me. Your life is about working to expand my kingdom, my rule and reign in the world. So take steps of faith. And when you do that, he will work through your gifts in amazing ways, in ways you could not imagine. All for his glory. And all for your good and my good. As I say this, I'm saying this to myself. We all need to be willing to take steps of faith, trusting God for more as we do it. And yes, it's not always visible to, to us the way the kingdom is growing, but it is growing because you can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the king, God, who is in charge of everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that it's true that you are working, Lord, in great ways. And God, that you are building your kingdom in ways that we can't see right now, Lord, but that we will see. And God, when your kingdom comes in all of its fullness, and Jesus tells us to pray for your kingdom to come. And so we pray for that even right now, Lord, that your kingdom would come. And God, that we would be right in the middle of it. And Lord, if... I understand your word rightly. We will be in the middle of it singing your praise, yes, but also experiencing the joy and the renewal and the blessing of what it means to be a part of your kingdom, of what it means to be back with our Father in his presence, in a, in a space where all things are made new. And so, God, I pray that you would give us patience as we wait upon you. But I pray also you would give us, Lord, faithfulness as we wait upon you, doing our part, what you have called us to do, scattering the seed over our lives and in our communities, believing, Lord, that you are gonna use these efforts, that you are working to build your kingdom and to grow us. Father, thank you that you have heard us, Lord, and that you are going to answer our prayer in your own unique way. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.